Hey everyone, it's Father Pat, here today to offer you my reflections on the scripture readings for today. Our readings today are from the fourth Sunday of Lent, a reading from the first book of Samuel. The Lord said to Samuel, Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, for I have chosen my king from among his sons. As Jesse and his sons came to the sacrifice, Samuel looked at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is here before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not judge from his appearance or from his lofty stature, because I have rejected him. Not as man sees does God see, because man sees the appearance, but the Lord looks into the heart. In the same way, Jesse presented seven sons before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any one of these. Then Samuel asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? Jesse replied, There is still the youngest who is tending the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, Send for him. We will not begin the sacrificial banquet until he arrives here. Jesse sent and had the young man brought to them. He was ruddy, a youth handsome to behold, and making a splendid appearance. The Lord said, There, anoint him for this is the one. Then Samuel, with the horn of oil in hand, anointed David in the presence of his brothers, and from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our response, the Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In verdant pastures he gives me repose. Beside restful waters he leads me, He refreshes my soul. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. He guides me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side, with your rod and your staff that give me courage. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. You spread the table before me in the sight of my foes. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. Only goodness and kindness follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for years to come. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. Brothers and sisters, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for light produces every kind of goodness and righteousness and truth. Try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the fruitless works of darkness. Rather, expose them, for it is shameful even to mention the things done by them in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither he nor his parents sinned. It is so that the works of God might be made visible through him. We have to do the works of the one who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and smeared the clay on his eyes and said to him, Go wash in the pill of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back able to see. His neighbors and those who had seen him earlier as a beggar said, Isn't isn't this the one who used to sit and beg? 
Some said, it is, but others said, no, he just looks like him. He said, I am. So they said to him, how were your eyes opened? He replied, the man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and told me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went there and washed and was able to see. And they said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought the one who was once blind to the Pharisees. Now Jesus had made clay and opened his eyes on a Sabbath. So then the Pharisees also asked him how he was able to see. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and now I can see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a sinful man do such signs? And there was division among them. So they said to the blind man again, what, what do you have to say about him since he opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. Now the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and gained his sight until they summoned the parents of the one who had gained his sight. They asked them, is this your son whom you say was born blind? How does he now see? His parents answered and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. We do not know how he sees now, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Asked him, he is of age, he can speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who acknowledged him as the Christ would be expelled from the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, he is of age, question him. So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He replied, if he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know is that I was blind and now I see. So they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? They ridiculed him and said, you are that man's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but we do not know where this one is from. The man answered and said to them, this is what is so amazing. You do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if one is devout and does his will, he listens to him. It is unheard of that anyone ever opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything. They answered and said to him, You were born totally in sin, and you are trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. When Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, he found him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him. The one speaking with you is he. He said, I do believe, Lord, and he worshipped him. Then Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see might see, and that those who do see might become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not also blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you are saying, We see, so your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I recently came across a quote attributed to legendary Hollywood actress Marlena Dietrich. Courage and grace is a formidable mixture. It really got me thinking. It's a simple, powerful statement, one that could legitimately guide a good life, not on its own, perhaps, but in combination with a few other complementary maxims. And yet, as I think about it, those who personify it are all too rare. Merriam-Webster defines courage 
as mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Although in some situations courage can be foolish and even dangerous, it is generally an admirable quality. For Christians, it's one of the four cardinal moral virtues, along with justice, temperance, and prudence. One who possesses it stands firmly in defending the good in face of legitimate danger or fear. Grace can be defined in multiple ways, but in its secular aspect, it's the quality of acting with dignity, kindness, character, and integrity in any situation, especially in difficult circumstances. In a religious sense, of course, grace is defined as an unearned gift from God, empowering the recipient to rise above human weakness to embody the divine image and likeness. Performing a mental survey of public figures, particularly among those in leadership roles, it becomes readily apparent that Ms. Dietrich's adage is rarely fulfilled, and when it is, it is certainly with God's help, but with our cooperation. Our Old Testament reading today tells the story of how David was chosen as the king of Israel. The nation's first king, Saul, abused his power, and so Samuel is sent to identify his eventual successor. The Lord's choice is nothing short of shocking. Samuel was sent to the house of Jesse in the city of Bethlehem, a small town of little prominence. Samuel is then introduced to Jesse's seven eldest sons. The obvious choice among them is Eliab, the firstborn and of impressive stature. When the Lord rejects him, Samuel meets each of the other six sons, but the Lord has not chosen any of them either. Samuel then realizes there is an eighth son and asks for him. He's not only the youngest, he's tending the flocks, the sheep. He's assigned to the loneliest and least desired task on his father's land. And yet David is exactly the one who has been chosen by the Lord. Why? Precisely because perhaps David is a shepherd. Because man sees the appearance, but the Lord looks into the heart. The Lord's choice should not be all that surprising to us, actually. Abel was a shepherd, and God preferred his uh, offering over that of his brother Cain. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and Moses all worked as shepherds. Centuries later, the prophet Amos was also a shepherd. But affinity with sheep has nothing to do with it. Those entrusted to care for the needs of four-legged creatures also have the heart to care for his chosen ones, his very own sons and daughters. David would mature into an accomplished military strategist and the leader of nations. And even though he falls into sin, David, unlike Saul, is able to humbly admit his shortcomings and repent. King David desires the best for the people of Israel, and above all, he wants to please the Lord. And so David is chosen to be not only Israel's king, but the father of the one who will recreate the entire human race as pleasing to the Lord once again. David is a true shepherd. Courage and grace is indeed a formidable mixture. Although I can't find any hard data to support this, any search for most popular psalm consistently puts today's selection, Psalm 23, at the top of the list. And is it any wonder? As his sheep, we look to the Lord for comfort, refreshment, nourishment, guidance, and protection. And why do we trust the good shepherd as he refers to himself? I am the good shepherd, he says. A good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He will go to battle for us. He will fight for us. He will intercede for us, and he will even die for us. There's perhaps no biblical image that brings us more peace, confidence, and courage. Our gospel passage shows Jesus in his vocation as 
good shepherd and recreator of humankind. Jesus makes it clear that the man born blind is not so afflicted because of his own personal sin or the sin of his parents. Instead, his lack of wholeness is a symbol of the human condition, as Jesus says, so that the works of God might be made visible through him. So Jesus takes mud, an element of creation, and he mixes it with his own saliva, which the people of that time believe is a concentration of the spirit, breath, and strength of a person. In other words, Jesus infuses mud with the divine breath and spirit. And so a miracle occurs. Yeah, it's impressive that a man who had never been able to see in his whole life can now see everything. But something much more miraculous than that happens. Because courage and grace is indeed a formidable mixture. The Gospel writer doesn't tell us a whole lot about the life of the blind man before he meets Jesus, but the one detail we know is enough to paint a pretty grim picture. The Gospel writer says, His neighbors and those who had seen him earlier as a beggar said, Isn't this this the one who used to sit and beg? The man was certainly a pathetic sight. We know his parents are alive, and yet they obviously don't provide for him. And when questioned, they don't stand up for him. While it would be difficult to criticize the blind man for trying to survive by begging, it's fair to say that he is despised or ignored by most people, presumed to carry guilt for his illness. But when Jesus recreates him, the blind man, or the formerly blind man, has the courage to speak the truth to the Pharisees, even though they throw him out of the synagogue. He has the dignity, the integrity, the grace that the Pharisees, his parents, and many of his fellow citizens do not have. Jesus, who says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world, has breathed new life, the divine life, into the man, so that when Jesus is no longer there, this man will speak the truth, and he will be a prophet, bringing light into the dark places of a world in the process of redemption. He is, in a sense, also a son of David, a man of humble beginnings, with a shepherd's heart for the brokenhearted. While modern glass mirrors are a relatively recent invention, there is evidence that mirrors of black obsidian and polished metal were used as long ago as 6000 BC. So while the newly sighted man didn't have access to anything like the mirror in your bathroom, I'm sure it wasn't long before he wanted to get a glimpse of what he himself looked like. And what did he see? While his facial features and body type are lost to history, we know that he was pleased with what he saw because... Courage and grace is indeed a formidable mixture. He was a man of dignity, kindness, character, and integrity with the help of God. The Pharisees and the man's parents could not say the same. But what about you and I? Courage and grace, a formidable mixture indeed, does not exist without a shepherd's heart bringing light to the world. But are we willing to accept the gift and the challenge that comes with it, with faith that it will lead to glory? May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Have a great day, and say a prayer for me.